Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about the federal election takeover, Stop For Now. Bunny Pounds joins me. She's going to talk about the IRS saying no to Christians in her group, Christians Engaged, and Chinese spy and American danger. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Yesterday, United States Senate the 50-50, you may recall, the, the Senate right now is 50 Democrats, 50 Republicans, uh, failed to move forward or procedurally could not move forward on the debate of the bill we've been talking about for months. This was first H.R. 1 became S. 1, essentially a bill proposed and supported exclusively by Democrats, which had as its goal the federal takeover of elections in America. And as we've been through many times on this show, and so I'll just briefly summarize the other, the title it should have been given, had they you know, been, had like truth and advertising requirements or something like that, is the Permanent Democrat Vote Fraud Act or Permanent Vote Fraud Tactic Mandate. In some way, let me just very quickly summarize what this bill included was not just permitting, but mandating numerous tactics used over decades by the Democrat Party to steal elections, including, for example, massive ballot harvesting, elimination of voter ID, elimination, refusal of the right of states to keep their voter rolls clean. Every single tactic you would use if you were trying to mandate and put in place and protect forever election fraud, that's what the Democrats put in this bill. So it, it matters a little bit to, to explain what happened procedurally in the Senate. So we still have the filibuster rule in the Senate, hanging on by a you know, string, but the filibuster rule essentially permits the majority party, rather the minority party, to prevent some things going to the floor for further discussion because they can filibuster it. And the filibuster is not in the Constitution, it's not a federal law, it is a rule of the Senate, a tradition of the Senate. So the filibuster rule essentially gives some protection to the minority party. It says even though the majority of the uh, senators are the opposite party, the minority party can have some power or control over the agenda because they can prevent some bills getting to the floor. So that's what happened yesterday. The 50-50 vote really just meant that because the filibuster rule existed, the Democrats realized they could not move the bill to the floor because they didn't have the 60 votes, 6-0 votes, will be required to overcome a filibuster and move toward move the bill forward. So on the good news side of this, it is apparently true that even those unreliable Republicans in the United States Senate, Senator Romney from uh, Utah, excuse me, from Nevada, who just, I forget where he's from. I will lose track where he's from, Nevada. Okay, Senator Romney, predictably unreliable, predictably anti-Republican, even though he has an R by his name, fights the Republican Party all, uh, all the way along. Uh, Senator Murkowski of Alaska and Susan Collins from Maine, the three who are reliably unreliable in standing with their fellow Republicans, even they went along and allowed this issue, that allowed this bill to carry, meaning essentially that the bill could not go to the floor. And so Kamala Harris, uh, acting as president of the Senate, she's vice president and president of the Senate, uh, had to rule the bill could not move forward. So you might say, yay, we got the Republicans to stand up, and this is amazing. They locked arms, they, they stopped one of this. I mean, I've had many titles I've, I've referred to this bill by because the, the Democrats give it such friendly, happy sounding names. It is like Permanent Vote Fraud Act, Permanent Democrat Majority Act. It is a, it is a bill designed not just to permit, but mandate in all 50 states tactics that everyone knows are tactics you use when you're engaged in vote fraud. So that's what happened. That's the good news of what happened and is good news. I, have a, I had a clip to play. I may play it later. I, I want to make sure we get through our first five today and get to our guest. 
But the clip was the comment, were the comments made by Senator Schumer on the floor of the Senate after it became obvious that they didn't have, they couldn't move forward on this bill. Now, they all know ahead of time, of course, how it's going to come out. They're not surprised to discover the bill uh, isn't going to move forward. They've counted votes ahead of time. But he stood up to give a speech on the floor of the Senate, and it was just vicious, excruciating condemnation, trying to act like the bill that the Democrats were trying to get through, which was utter destruction of election integrity in America, outlawing every imaginable election integrity provision in America. That's what the Democrats tried to do. And Chuck Schumer sat up there and gave a speech on the floor of the Senate, you know, to the nation about how outrageous it was that these Republicans could not even go, not even move it to the floor, not even move it along, which of course he realizes is the only tactic that the minority party has, to, which is reliance on the filibuster rule. And so he knows that's why they're doing that. But what was so vicious about what he had to say was he was essentially saying Republicans are engaged in voter suppression. This is clearly an effort to suppress votes. And of course, they always go to the go-to issue, suppress votes based on uh, you know race. Of course, this is all intended to keep down the minority vote. Never has to explain that there's no logic at all to what he's saying. It was a very vicious attack. And those Republicans, all 50, who stood with the party and said, no, we're not going to allow this bill to move forward, they have to sit there and listen to this excruciating, excoriating speech by Senator Schumer. So, I mean, good for them. They stood up. But the big caveat, and I want to make something clear about this, so much in Washington is calculated ahead of time, planned ahead of time, orchestrated ahead of time. So now you have Romney and Murkowski and Collins and other Republicans can go home to their states and say, yes, I stood strong. I stood up against the uh, attempt of the, de the left to steal America's elections, to put in place a horrible bill. I, I, you know, I did a great job. They get to say that when they go home. And I'm going to guess the only reason the unreliable three went along with it is in part because they have had communications from their own constituents. The, the uh, citizens in their states have probably been telling them, don't you dare help the Democrats engage in this permanent vote fraud act. Don't you dare support it. And they didn't. But here's the big caveat, and I'll close out the first five by saying this. There's another bullet coming. This is just bullet one. If my guess there was some kind of negotiation where all the Republican senators could say, oh, I gotta be, hey, go back to my state. I've gotta be able to say, hey, I stood up, I tried to stop them. But the next bill is actually named after former civil rights activist, former member of Congress who passed away recently, John Lewis. It's called the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. John Lewis Voting Rights Act. If you can imagine, and we, on this show, we've been through provision by provision how bad the bill was that we just managed to kill. This one's worse. This one's worse. And it's coming our way. And it has to do with taking away the state, the power of the states to have anything to do with redistricting. It also, I mean, I, I will have to spell it another day because I want to wrap up our first five. But yes, this is a victory. It's like a victory in a battle. But the war is still raging. The war of the American left to take over from the federal level all election procedures, all election law in all 50 states. And I'm not just talking about federal elections. I'm talking elections from dog catcher to president. The, what the left is trying to do is have all that controlled from Congress, from the federal government, with the goal, and I'm telling you unflinchingly, with the, um, just, just the, the determination, they are going to take over the election process. They're going to mandate things that everyone knows lead to a voter fraud. Things like the eliminating voter ID. Eliminating voter ID, because don't you know that's racist. Eliminate cleaning, cleaning out voter rolls, removing people who are deceased or who moved away. All of that will be under the rug, gone, if the Democrats get their way in Washington. This is a huge issue. It's also a huge tell about the American left. They have, they're hanging by their fingernails onto an almost majority in the Senate and, and a bare majority in the House. But they're telling you what they will be doing if they were to ever have the White House and the Senate and the House. It'd be the end of free and fair elections in America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I mentioned starting the show today, we had a guest joining us, uh, joining us via Skype. And um, the reason I want to um, talk to her today, uh, this is Bunny Pounds, um, and she's a, um, she's a friend, first of all. She's a Dallas resident. 
she uh, founded an organization called Christians Engaged. Christians Engaged. And I'm going to have her tell you about it, what it does. But the reason she's coming on today, along with her attorney, uh, they're both going to be uh, participating in this conversation, Leah Patterson, working with First Liberty Organization, is because the IRS turned down, declined their application for 501c3 status. Among other reasons, in their explanation letter, the IRS's explanation letter says, Bible teachings are affiliated with the Republican Party. Who knew? So, without further ado, please help me welcome both Bunny Pounds and Leah Patterson. Hi, ladies. Hey, Debbie. Thanks for having us. Good to be with you. Great. So glad you could both be here. I'm going to start with Bunny, and just very quickly, Bunny, I'd love to have you tell our listeners what Christians Engage is all about. What do you guys do? Well, Christians Engage is founded to be a nonpartisan Christian ministry. Uh, we help people around the state of Texas and America learn to pray for their elected officials, their city, state, and nation, to learn to, uh, to vote uh, and fulfill their civic duty as it relates to voting, and then also to engage, engage in, in their uh, civic engagement around their nation. And we have so many problems in our communities, whether it's foster care, the kids that need to be taken care of, the pre-born um, human trafficking victims. There's a ton of things that people can do within their city, state, nation, and we're asking the church to do that, to fulfill the call of God on their lives as it relates to their nation and their their civic duties as Americans. That sounds pretty innocuous. Okay, well, you found it. I've I've lost track. Is it 2019? When were you? When did you get going? Yeah, December 2019 is when we we launched the ministry, and we also filed for our tax exempt status at that point. Oh, so you filed a while ago and you're just now recently hearing. So uh, you're sitting there with your attorney from First Liberty. And for my listeners, we've had attorneys on in the past from First Liberty. Fabulous organization here in Dallas, a nationwide organization based in Dallas that provides legal services for people in the arena of freedom of religion and, and protection of, of, of the First Amendment, the First Amendment right. So Leah Patterson, some this note, which I actually printed out the whole happy IRS letter, um, but their communication actually makes reference to the idea um, that in denying the tax exempt application uh, that, that says Bible teachings are affiliated with the Republican Party. Let me just start. Have you ever seen anything like this in any IRS response? I have not. It's uh, certainly new to me. We, we were quite shocked when we read it. But basically what the IRS is claiming is that it's political campaign intervention for Christians engaged to, quote, educate believers on national issues that are central to their belief in the Bible as the inerrant word of God. And we have filed an appeal of this decision to challenge it. So you're appealing. So that, does that happen? It means it must go to federal district court. Where does it go in the federal, in the federal courts? Well, we have to exhaust our administrative remedies first, so that we'll be working through the IRS's internal appeals process first. But if that fails, then federal district court is the next step. Okay, so what is it, if you had to, to make the argument for the IRS, I know you don't want to, but what is the reason that it would, would matter at all that Bible teachings in their view are affiliated with the Republican Party? What is the argument that that means the tax-exempt status should have been denied? Do you even have a good argument? <laughs> well, they don't have a good argument at all. Um, basically, what I can understand from the letter is that they're referring to restrictions that the tax code places on 501c3 organizations. They're not allowed to engage in substantial lobbying, for example, and they're also not allowed to engage in political campaigning, so endorsing a candidate, for example. Uh, my understanding is that that is what their objection is here, but the problem is they're characterizing uh, basically having a position on a public policy issue as campaign intervention, and that's not correct at all. That is not consistent with the regulations. In fact, they're completely on the other side. The regulations specifically allow 501c3s to teach their beliefs on public policy issues, even if they're politically controversial issues, as long as they're not actually campaigning for somebody. Okay, and back to Bunny for a second. You're not campaigning for individual candidates, is that right? That's correct. We do not endorse any candidates or any political parties. We talk to uh, believers about getting engaged um, and, and have them do the research themselves. But um, we just teach on 
what the Bible has to say about certain issues and just tell people, go search the scriptures and discover what you believe. At the end of the day, we want Christians to read their Bibles and we want people to get involved with the culture. And it's up to the individual Christians what they believe about that. You know, it's a kind of amazing admission. When I first saw the headline, Bunny has, uh, as I mentioned, is a friend and she had sent me a text I don't know when that was, when it first came out, just saying, look at this, this is amazing. And you know, you, when you read this sentence, it's kind of an embarrassing admission for the left because it's saying, you know, Bible teachings are affiliated with the Republican Party. And I know you're not partisan, you're not Republican Party, Democrat Party, but I almost want my reaction in part was, well, duh. I mean, I don't know how many uber liberal type people uh, and try to follow biblical teachings closely. I think, I think it's kind of much of what people on the left stand for is, is pretty anti uh, what the scriptures teach. So um, you're, so going back, um, to Leah, and, and your litigation on this uh, subject, are you able to point to other organizations that you would say do similar things and have been achieved, have achieved the 501c3 status? Do you have that kind of, a, I would assume it'd be part of your preparation is to try to find some analogies. Is that right? Absolutely. We cite several examples of similar organizations in our appeal letter. One of the examples is a civic engagement organization founded by Michelle Obama that advocates for people to get out and vote. And in fact, what they do seems to be pretty similar. So there are a wide variety of organizations that do the same thing that Christians Engaged does, but it seems that the IRS is discriminating against Christians Engaged because of its biblical viewpoint, and that violates constitutional protections for free speech and free religious exercise. Absolutely. You know, I haven't practiced law in a long time, but I do remember a lot of this from law school and uh, litigating uh, years ago in California. But it seemed, it really does seem to reveal out of the IRS an animus toward religious, religious belief or an animus toward an organization that would say, we advocate that you choose certain positions because of religious faith. And there is in particular uh, a line of cases or a strand of thinking in litigation or surrounding the First Amendment about the government shouldn't be showing animus. And to be really clear to my happy listeners, when the IRS engages in anything, this kind of language, this is government action. It's a, it's a part of the government. So it's IRS's behavior and standards are treated as part of being, because they're part of government. So Leah, this whole, I mean, am I accurate in recalling that? There's some line of cases are thinking about the government should not express animus toward those of religious faith. Is that right? That's absolutely right. I'm part of our argument. Yeah, okay. So ladies, so how, what's the timetable, roughly speaking? Um, when do you think you'll next get a hearing before the IRS? Well, we're probably looking at a few months before the IRS, and then depending which way that goes, then we could be in federal court. So it'll it'll be a few months at least. Okay, I do. I don't have any idea how frequently the IRS reverses itself in these kind of appeals. Um, I used to do uh, employment litigation, representing businesses and employment disputes, and it was not that frequent that you could get the EEOC or the similar the state agencies to reverse an early decision. So is that, is that, as far as you know, accurate about the IRS? Yeah, I, as far as I know, I couldn't really predict what they'll do with this, but I can say that we have a very solid argument that they violated their own regulations in many ways. Honestly, they, they refused to apply their own tests to make the determination. So if there's any case where they should reverse themselves, uh, this is it. Okay, and so Bunny and Leah, if people want to read about this, I assume it's available on your website on First Liberty, and Bunny, also, are the pleadings available on your, your uh, website as well for Christians Engaged? Yeah, it's christiansengaged.org, um, and people can follow everything on our social media um, as well. But yeah, we, we appreciate all Christians praying for us. This is an important case for all Americans and all church leaders, because if the IRS could threaten to do this, if they would deny or deny us tax-exempt status, what could happen to churches and other organizations in the future. You are not kidding. Talk about the uh, entanglement of government and religion if they're going to start to parse on 501c3 applications. Well, yeah, but you do this, but you don't do that. I mean, that that's pretty rough. I, I would think they'd want to stay a million miles away from being accused of entanglement with religion, but it sounds like it's headed that, that, their way. It's headed that way. Okay, so both Leah and Bunny, thank you so very much for joining us today. And actually, Leah, if you want to quick tell the website for your organization, First Liberty. 
firstliberty.org. And, <laughs> and on the website, you can read these things, because I think people should read these pleadings. I mean, and read the letter from the IRS, they're not hard to read. So in both cases, they can go to your websites and find them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Both Leah and Bunny, thank you so very much for joining me today on America Can We Talk. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Debbie. Okay, my friends, I actually think this is rather audacious. I mean, you, this idea, the letter actually says, because when I first saw the headline, I thought, this guy, some writer of it, to make headlines, kind of chose a, you know, a um, exaggerated way of depicting what the IRS said. It is actually right out of their language. Bible teachings are affiliated with the Republican Party. So they're, they're just kind of on their case, on the case of Christians engaged, uh, because they are, um, you know, they actually like the Bible and follow the Bible. So, hey, you know, can't have that. Okay, so that's going to be a case to follow. We shall follow it. Okay, I could not wait to get to this story, this next story today. And I'll start by saying this. We have talked on this show many times. Just kind of set the table. We've talked on this show before many times. In fact, we've had Gordon Chang as an expert on China join us. Other experts on China talk about the idea that the country of China, China is not simply they happen to be communist, we happen to be free, they happen to have totalitarian government, we happen to have you know, free society, but China itself, the government, the Chinese Communist Party government is more, more oppressive, more totalitarian than it was even 20 years ago. The government itself is trending toward totalitarianism and the government of China is actually on a mission to ultimately replace America as the world's superpower. They actually see themselves and their uh, political ideology, economic ideology, communism, and the Chinese people themselves as intended to be rulers of the world. These are not hyperbolic exaggerations. This is how the current leader in China sees himself, his country in the future. They're taking in many, many, many avenues, making way uh, their way toward world control. One of the central ways is what they do surreptitiously in America. For example, we talked about Confucius Institutes. You have places in college campuses where colleges would agree to have a Confucius Institute because after all, hey, you know, we're just going to come to these colleges and promote cultural understanding and cultural exchange and we'll send our people there and they'll learn about America and you can learn about China. And soon uh, many colleges came to realize and the federal government came to realize the Confucius Institutes were all about propagandizing and about spying. Chinese spies, Chinese spies are at all levels of American government. I also, at, uh, I mean that all levels of American government. And I want to remind you before I get into this huge, huge story. Do you remember we talked about a few, when was it again? Okay, February of last year, it's a little over a year ago, February, 2020. Mike Pompeo, then still Secretary of State, in his speech to the governors, warned governors about Chinese infiltration into the United States. And he didn't say, this might happen in the future. He was saying, you governors and state government, you need to be alert to the reality that there is a determined effort, an ongoing massive effort by the Chinese Communist Party to infiltrate America, infiltrate government at all levels, infiltrate businesses, infiltrate the military, every single aspect of American society, there is an effort on China's part to infiltrate into this country. And because, because they ultimately, not because they want to get to know us better and be BFF, BFFs, they're not trying to be our best friends. They are trying to understand America and ultimately tear it down. Pompeo gave that warning a year ago. So. And we've actually had other experts talk about the number of Chinese spies uh, currently at all levels in the federal government uh, posing as people who work for America, love America, blah, blah, blah. We also talked in the election cycle, unfortunately only conservative shows covered it, but we talked about the idea that Hunter Biden, our, um, the man who was sworn in on January 20th, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, heavily, heavily uh, involved in China and uh, beholden to China, having been paid large amounts of money from China. All of that was on, and information related to that was on Hunter Biden's laptop 
which the government uh, has had in its possession for a long time. They suppressed it. The media didn't bring it out. The media didn't tell you because what would have caused many voters to conclude was Joe Biden is very conflicted. Joe Biden has a problem with China. Joe Biden is beholden to China. Hunter Biden is beholden to China. They know everything about him. They have everything they could spill about him. There are all sorts of reasons that Americans would have been very concerned had they realized how compromised Joe Biden is and Hunter Biden is with respect to the Chinese. But that didn't get covered because the media was cheering for Joe Biden to win. In fact, there was a poll afterwards. I'm getting to the big story, I swear. But there was a poll afterwards that actually said, and I've forgotten the numbers, so I won't you know, say with certainty, but it was somewhere in the realm of 20, 25% or something of voters said after the election, they ne- of Democrat voters who voted for Biden, had I known about the Hunter Biden laptop, it would have changed my vote. They actually said that kind of too late now. So I lay all out to say it is not news in America, is not news that we have Chinese spy infiltration all over this country and it is for the nefarious purpose China has, which is ultimately to be the single world superpower to impose themselves and their system of governance on the world. Now, here's the big story. So there is a Chinese defector, a person who has defected from, remember how we used to have Russian defectors uh, previously. We used to have Russian defectors once in a while. We'd get some great scoop about Russia. Well, this guy is a defector from China. And it turns out he's not just the average Joe. This guy who's defected from China um, and has been working with America's Uh, DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, and you have to remember, we're going to get into this in a moment, there are numerous national security agencies in Washington, numerous different branches and and, uh, with different focus and job uh, in Washington to deal with America's national security. The DIA um, is the Defense Intelligence Agency and they have had this guy, his name is Dong, first name Dong, D-O-N-G. I meant to write this out of Matt, make a slide, but I didn't. Anyway, Dong, D-O-N-G, last name, uh, J, it's, I believe it's Jingwei, J-I-N-G-W-E-I. Again, Dong, last name, J-I-N-G-W-E-I, just say Jingwei. This guy has been spilling the beans He is a Chinese defector talking to America's defense intelligence agencies, the DIA agency, and it turns out that this guy was not just your common Joe military person. He was very, very high up. He was in charge. You have to listen to this amazing, this this is, as Trump would say, huge. This is a huge story. This guy, Dong, was in charge of counterintelligence efforts in China. In charge of counterintelligence efforts in China. He was, it's kind of like being way up in the CIA. Maybe even the head, maybe even the equivalent would be the head of the CIA. Huge story. This guy's been talking to the DIA at least since June, well, since early June, perhaps earlier. And so, um, actually, um, I take it back, since February, um, he came to America in mid-February, supposedly to visit his daughter, who's at a university in California. When he landed in California, he contacted DIA officials and told them about his plans to defect and the information he had brought with him. He then hid in plain sight for about two weeks before disappearing into DIA custody. And I just want to be, I I want to unpack this story in many directions because it matters in more ways than than, than I will possibly get out today. So to start with, this guy, if he has been working in China in charge of their counterintelligence, he therefore knows the identity of spies in America, Chinese origin spies in America. He knows who 
which, what individuals in government those Chinese spies in America have turned, are using, are, I mean, he understands what the Chinese people have set up in America. Not just, let me name you three spies. This is, he knows the whole network of Chinese spies, but even more important, he knows what Americans, in what positions of authority, in what jobs, in the FBI and the DOJ and the CIA and every agency in Washington and state government levels and Congress and the Senate, everywhere. This guy knows which Americans have been turned, corrupted, or at the very, very least are working with the, um, uh, uh, someone's texting me about something earlier in the show. Anyway, this guy knows what Americans have been cooperating with the Chinese spies, what the Chinese spies have uncovered, and the potential for this story to blow up the situation in America, blow up so many things. You, you can't exactly, it's impossible to overstate it. It's impossible to overstate. So I'll start with a little more exploration of who might be getting concerned about now, because now this guy is in DIA custody. Oh, and as an interesting thing, by the way, um, you remember we talked about the, um, the March meeting in Alaska? So this guy Dong has been here since February talking to the DIA. So in March, there was that meeting we talked about in Alaska. It was a meeting, the American officials, and we had um, in, in Alaska meeting with Chinese officials. So an American-Chinese meeting, America-China meeting in Alaska. We actually had Fred Flights of Center for Security Policy on to talk about that meeting. A lot of interesting observations. But one thing that was amazing has come out now, Biden's Secretary of State, Blinken, his name is Blinken, B-L-I-K-E-N, Biden's Secretary of State, in that meeting in March, Blinken, in Alaska, with China, appeared not to know that this defector was in U.S. custody. Apparently, China asked, hey, what happened to the guy who defected? Blinken didn't know a thing about it. He's Secretary of State. Didn't know. And I want to point out why this matters. In Washington, we have, we've used the expression deep state. We've used the expression on this show that some people, and many people do, there are many people who get into government, they stay way too long, they come, become entrenched in their positions. State Department, huge for this. State Department, CIA, FBI, other, you know, NSA, They've been there a long time. They feel very worldly, very connected, very kind of above the common peasant ignorance about international relations. They deal with China. Some of them deal with China, with Chinese counterparts, with Chinese people coming to America. All of those people would be, if you're China, and you are all about learning everything you can about the way America functions, how decisions get made, who has power, who is vulnerable, who can be compromised, who can be bribed. You've got a, a, you know, an, um, a wide expanse of opportunity just in the American government. If you're China, you're looking, you're, you're in China, you're looking at America and thinking, how do we get to all these people? Because they do want to undo and take down America. Do not, it, it, please understand that. China wants to take down America. I, they still don't think they could do it militarily. They still know that we have uh, nuclear weapons too, so they can't just nuke us because we'll nuke them back. But their insidious determination to destroy this country is greatly advanced by their ability to find people who are compromisable, bribable, who may be lured by the promise of, of stature, international intrigue. China has been working to weaken America, including by finding people who are compromisable, tapping into them, making connections. You know, I don't know, the name Swalwell comes to mind, that the Democrat House member who had a 
uh, and a, a relationship at least with a woman, they often use the term a honeypot, a Chinese woman who was a now called honeypot. They use the word honeypot, meaning she uh, makes herself available. She's very pretty and she's, uh, you know, she's selling connection with China, relations with China. And um, Alex, this one particular woman, I don't have her name in front of me, but she was one uh, who was later determined to be working for the Chinese uh, Communist Party, became very close with Swalwell. Um, he's, of course, denounced, uh, we didn't have anything inappropriate. Nah, nah, a lot of speculation that they were uh, intimate together. I'm getting at the point that the amount of information that this guy, this guy Dong, who's now in DIA custody, could possibly provide America is off the charts off the charts if he has as he claims in fact that when he called the dia to say he wanted to defect when he landed in california in february he said i i brought the information i have the information he's got not just names of spies but who they've been working with who they believe they have compromised we're talking about legions of potential americans in positions of power who may have in some degree become compromised and who will now be identified by this guy Dong who can say yeah actually you know Hunter Biden we own him China owns him you know we have this on him this I mean the, the laptop was enough to make anyone with you know an iota of integrity and willingness to read and look realize you know Hunter Biden is just utterly compromisable compromised and so yeah Hunter Biden you got his dad, you kind of got to wonder, and, and many people have said, you know, Joe Biden paved the way for Hunter in China. Joe Biden very potentially, and whatever Joe Biden's, you know, situation is with the Chinese, this guy knows. This guy knows. He's talking to the DIA, now being hidden by the DIA. The potential for senators, members of Congress, individuals at the highest levels of power in all of those agencies I just mentioned, all of them to the extent they have been compromised by Chinese spies in this country are now that is now going to be known by the American government and, and you know maybe what if it's you know 10 people what if it's 10,000 people what if it's a hundred thousand people I mean China's been at this a long time and they send a lot of spies over here we're talking about people in universities people in state governments, county governments. This is what Pompeo was trying to warn about a year ago. Be very leery of people from China who come over and say, hey, yeah, you know, I'm here to, um, you know, uh, help build uh, bridges of understanding between China and, you know, your little town here in America. And we should be sister cities and we should do trade and we should, uh, you know, manufacture things in China and sell it to you. I mean, there are all sorts of innocuous reasons being proffered for why it's a great idea to buddy up with these, with these Chinese spies. But what became of those relationships with those Chinese spies eventually extracted from the American people? And that, so that's just all relationships. Then you get to what kind of information did the Chinese spies in America obtain because they were trusted by their colleagues in whatever place they were in America and gained access to computers, were able to hack in to get untold potential information. Hacking into computers to find out, you know, donation levels, uh, private data being collected about people, uh, private information, you know, the government collects everything you ever do, sadly, in America. We haven't been able to solve that issue. So how much of that information the U.S. government has collected did the Chinese spies collect as they were here and, and undetected and working side by side in a trustworthy manner uh, with these people who, are, who were connected with them? The story has monumental potential consequences of exposure of American government officials, all those agencies, universities, state, local, state and local government people, people in Congress, people in federal agencies. And then I'll get to the next issue that's very interesting. I don't know when Russian defectors came to America, who they 
defected to. I don't know if they you know, wrote a letter to the White House. I don't know if they contacted the White House, say, hey, I'm here and at the, wherever I am, and um, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'd like to defect from Russia. But somehow, very high-level government officials in this country would be the ones you'd contact. They would protect you. They would take, you know, protect you from, because obviously, Russia would love to get those defectors back onto Russian soil, as I'm sure China would love to get this guy Dong back on Chinese soil. I'm sure that they, obviously, they desperately want that. But when this guy Dong got here, he didn't contact the White House. He didn't contact the Secretary of State. He didn't contact the Attorney General. He didn't contact, so far as we know, as this is so far as we know, he didn't contact the head of the CIA, FBI, NSA. All these agencies would have likely some role in helping unpack everything that he had to deliver. These would be the log among the logical organizations you would contact. He contacted the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and that may or may not be significant. It may be just the only name he knew, but I don't think so. This is a guy who headed up China's entire counterintelligence spying operation. He had to know who's a safe person to contact. For example, say an, an individual who is the head of one of the national security agencies. I won't even say a name, but head of one of them. And he knew landing, Dong knows landing in California. I can't go to that guy because if I'm here saying I am here to defect from China, I'd like to expose a massive Chinese spying network in America and help you uncover all the Americans who have been complicit in helping the Chinese spies, all the Americans who are compromised, bribed, or some other way under the control of Chinese spies. You're not going to contact someone even the head of an agency, if that person is one you know from the data you have is compromised or even potentially compromised, you're not going to contact anyone who you think might be hearing your message and saying, whoa, you're here to defect and I'm one of the ones that's going to be exposed by the information you provide. Those are not going to be the people this guy would contact. I mean, it is not minor that as of the March meetings, the guy's been here a month or something, as the March meeting in Alaska, Secretary of State Blinken appeared not to know that this defector was in U.S. custody. It's like, and, and you know, you don't know, there may be just that's what Blinken's answer was in some media report, but it may be the DAA, they're trying to figure out what do you do with this guy? What do you do if what he brings you exposes so many people at high levels in these federal agencies and in the White House? What do you do with his information? Where do you go? Where does DIA go? What do they do? What do they do with the information if they, they've been apparently debriefing, learning everything this guy has? But what do you do when the massive data dump he provides is actually exposing, actually exposing the a broad swath of American leaders. And you're the DIA and you got the guy, he's sitting right there and he's showing you the data. He obviously has, I assume, computers and flash drives and disk, whatever way he's brought this information, you know he's got the goods and he's showing you, he's telling you what the Chinese people, Chinese spies have been doing in America what they've gathered, what they have hacked, what information China already has, ranging all the way from potential military secrets to uh, military equipment, spy plane secrets, to you know the way the American people have been controlled by their federal government. I mean, the, the potential for things the Chinese spies were able to hack into and get because they, in America, had lodged themselves you know, nestled themselves into some situation in which they were believed to be legitimate, they were treated as legitimate, and they were treated as trustworthy, 
and then had the capacity to begin extracting information from all sorts of computers in this country. The potential this guy has of exposing potential corruption in America it is, as they say, unspeakably large. It's, it's more than, than can be comprehended by any summary I could give you. But I do think it's really interesting that his choice when he arrived was to contact the DIA, not any other federal national security, national law enforcement agency, not Secretary of State, not the Attorney General, not the head of the, the State Department, just nobody in the obvious you know, uh, circles of power, not the White House. Now, we may find out, to be fair, we may find out when all this information eventually comes out, whatever he has uncovered, we may find out that he did actually reach out to more people we just don't know. He may have. What is reported is the DIA has had him in their custody and they are unpacking everything he understands without apparent knowledge of the other agencies or involvement with the other agencies. And the potential this has in our country, if all the reports about the Biden laptop and Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's connection with China, they are, as many people allege, compromised by China. China has them under their control. If those kind of things are true and that gets exposed publicly, then what does America do? And this ties to another point I want to make about all of this. We've been watching in America, we have assumed as adult Americans, responsible Americans, that the government, our national government, our federal government, was basically committed to American safety and Amer the, the rights of America, the country of America, that they were above partisan um, application of the law that they would dutifully follow the law and dutifully apply the law, equal justice under the law, and that they would dutifully investigate everything using the same standards. We assumed this for years. However, in the last four years under the Trump administration, when we watched, and I'm not gonna go over it again a hundred times, but you know, with all the detail I have in the past, we watched complete corruption at the highest level of power in Washington, Department of Justice and FBI, in launching a completely fraudulent investigation, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, launching an investigation, permitting the investigation to be ongoing for years, three and a half years, money spent, lives destroyed, you know, lives upturned, hours and, and you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of hours of depositions and legal time by lawyers and FBI agents investigating, all based on a complete lie. And we watched, we now know, because it finally came out that John Brennan, then CIA head, knew all along that Hillary Clinton and her team her presidential campaign team had cooked up the entire Russia collusion hoax as a smear job. Using Perkins Coie, the law firm, using Fusion GPS, cooked up the whole Russian dossier. Brennan knew it. It's in his own handwriting that we've now all seen. And yet, no accountability, no, no even apology. Brennan is still acting like it all really happened. Brennan is not in the slightest ever been forced to come forward and deal with America honestly. He just keeps right on rolling. So you have Brennan, no accountability at all, clearly aware that the entire collusion hoax was cooked up, no, no interest at all in letting America know that, tried to hide the documents until he was forced by a, a Freedom of Information Act to, to release those documents. You have the entire FBI continuing to investigate a non-existent collusion story. So that's one example of where our federal law enforcement agencies utterly failed us, utterly dropped the ball. Same thing 
with respect to the two impeachment efforts uh, that were both brought against President Trump. There was nothing to either of them. I mean, literally nothing. It was a complete concocted farce. And yet you had the willing media repeating every talking point the left tells them to say, you have the Democrats in the House cooking up impeachment articles. And this, again, on the subject of who's really corrupt here, impeachment articles, the first impeachment of President Trump about a conversation he had with the president of the Ukraine in which Trump is pointing out that don't you think you ought to be investigating what the Biden team did in the Ukraine? The conversations, what Biden did in the Ukraine actually did and admitted on national television did is what Trump was falsely accused of doing. And yet no accountability, no charges brought, no investigation, no, just, just, we don't look into that. Sorry, we're not going to look into that. We just don't do it. No investigation, the end. And I'm getting at the point that we have, it appears, a very corrupted Department of Justice, FBI, certainly State Department, and they're international, we're above the law at all places, in the higher echelons, we make law, we are the law. CIA, the national intelligence agencies, in many people's view, running the country, so then I go back to this Chinese defector, Dong. What if he does have and can prove the names of thousands of Chinese spies, the names of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, or maybe millions even, okay, million might be too much, hundreds of thousands of corrupted, compromised, bribed, controlled American officials that China has been manipulating and controlling, and Dong can prove it all. Where do you go with that? Where do you go with that? With a Biden administration, who now has their people at the top levels of power in all those agencies. I mean, do we really think that if this is the case, that this information is provided, and they take it to, oh, I don't know, Merrick Garland, Attorney General, that he will say, oh my gosh, I better get right on this and investigate Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. I better investigate this whole swath. Of, and I'm, I'm fine, folks, to be really clear, I'm sure Republicans, there are many Republicans compromised by China too. It's not a partisan thing. Republican, Democrat, I don't care. I don't want China, spies in America, compromised American officials. I want it all rooted out. But how many of you think we can root it out? How do you think we can root it out if our very law enforcement agencies are so compromised as they currently are? Do you really think Merrick Garland, Attorney General, is going to say, by golly, we better do a really big investigation. This sounds serious. We, no, you know it's not gonna happen. I know it's not gonna happen. I mean, what do you do? The, the FBI, Christopher Wray is as corrupt as all of them. And, and he's as bad as the, he, he's a deep state guy who keeps up with the farce of claiming the biggest threat to America is white supremacy, which he knows is a lie. Everyone in his whole team knows is a lie, but it's a political tactic to target his political enemies, which are the conservatives. So back to this dong, this, uh, Defector, whose name is Dong, again, his last name is, okay, I don't have it, yeah, I do, yeah, Dong Jingwei, J-I-N-G-W-E-I. Where in the world can this story go, given the state, the status of our federal government in Washington? Where can it go? What do we do about it? How do we ever bring justice? How do we ever expose these people and remove them from power if they really are proven to be corrupted, as this guy is going to be apparently showing America. I think the DIA, I mean, to say it has its hands full is, is barely the beginning. It came in, it is a massive issue. What this guy has, given the level of power he had in China, the head of their counterintelligence, 
He knows the spies. He knows the Americans who worked with them for money, the Americans who were bribed by them, the Americans who were compromised by them. He's got a lot. And so now here we sit with a, you know, a, a, an astonishing situation for America that I don't think many people in America would believe that we have the capacity to do anything about it. We don't have the federal law enforcement agencies willing to actually pursue this kind of massive situation because, of course, they are there at the behest of the current administration. And many of them themselves are potentially compromised. This would be a huge story to follow. Uh, I could share more ideas about it, but I think you got the idea. This is a really big story. It's a big story really for about where in America, how in America can we find the metal, the strength, the backbone, the determination to whatever this, wherever this information leads us, we will pursue the justice system will prevail and justice will prevail. That has to be the goal. It has to be what we're determined to do. But I'm telling you folks, this is a long road ahead and a really uncharted road ahead to figure out how America deals with this. I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start out today talking about federal election takeover. Stop for now. Uh, HR1, SB1 officially defeated in the Senate for now. This is good. An attempt at an unconscionable anti-constitutional overthrow of state-controlled elections would have legalized election fraud practices nationwide. Key Democrat senators unwilling to end the filibuster and cloture rules which meant 60 senators needed to approve the bill, and therefore that's how they could block it. There were not 60 senators who supported the bill, but I actually think it's astonishing there are more than 50 senators who did. 50 senators pledged to support the Constitution. I'm talking about the Democrat senators, perfectly fine with letting a massive power grab over federal elections to move forward. McConnell deserves credit for holding the line and helping to stop the bill, but the left never stops, and the leftist Marxist overthrow attempt remains ongoing. The John Lewis voting rights bill is on deck. American patriots should celebrate this victory, but the radical left is not defeated. And on this Chinese spy American danger, it's impossible to overstate the importance of the defection of Dong Jingwei, Vice Minister of State Security for China precarious state of the U.S. government in light of how Dong defection has been handled. He may be the highest ranking Chinese Communist Party member ever to defect. De defected in February 20 of this year, almost certainly has full knowledge of CCP influence, bribery, extortion operations in the U.S., including, of course, he may know perfectly well whether China was involved in America's election fraud, a whole other issue. Dong chose the DIA to defect to because does, is, this, is this because he knows CIA, FBI, DOJ are compromised? DIA delayed notifying the CIA and the FBI of Dong's defection. Is this because the DIA knows of compromise? Biden Secretary of State Blinken, in a March meeting in Alaska with China, appeared not to know the defector was in custody. Add China's apparent link to election fraud. Add China's willful actions spreading COVID. The U.S. government appears to have full knowledge of China's hostile actions. What will be done? And I should have said, what can be done? What can be done? I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. This show has a membership feature every Thursday. So our show tomorrow is for members only. You can only watch it on our website, americacanwetalk.org. You can join today, go to that website, americacanwetalk.org, and on the home page, click on members, right across the top, members, join comes up, you hit that join button, $5 a month, $50 a year, fabulous deal, it's a great deal. Tomorrow's show will feature two national security experts here in town from Dal in Dallas, here from Washington, to talk with you about top national security issues. We have fabulous guests coming up, lined up on uh, future Thursdays. If you haven't joined American Can We Talk, it's time to do it. Please do it. It supports this show, makes this show possible. I also encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. Same website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage. Hit subscribe. You get a once a week free newsletter from me 
tying you to the show's stories the previous week, the interviews, uh, lots of other good things in the newsletter. So with that, again, I thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. I am Debbie Georgiatis, and this is my show, America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can you hear us now? America Can We Talk, truth about America. Can you